Hawkeye, Season 1, Episode 3. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Marvel Plus, the podcast devoted solely to the Disney Plus Marvel series. My name is Brett Scott. I am your host. This is the show. And this week, I have a brand new guest for you. I know it's been a while since I brought someone brand new on. Uh, We've had a lot of repeat guests, a lot of people I love and, and that you guys enjoy listening to. Uh, but one of my favorite things about this podcast is meeting new people. Like, that's the whole point. And so this week, we're doing just that. We're talking to Tony Farina. He's a podcaster, a writer, a teacher, and a geek of epic proportions. I've been listening to this guy's thoughts and opinions for like the last few months, and he's just so much fun to listen to. I mean, this guy really moves a conversation along. He claims to be an introvert, but Man, I, I, I don't know if I've ever met an introvert that was so good at banter. Super quick, uh, you know, he, he's always got a response, always got to come back, and he just always has something interesting to say. Always adding great stuff to the conversation. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. I certainly did. And, you know, it, it didn't hurt that, and you'll probably be able to tell, you know, <laughs> I think I only say it like 15 times during the episode, but this episode of Hawkeye is up there at the top for me of these Disney Plus series. This episode alone is one of my single favorite episodes from every series so far. So it was a lot of fun to talk about, and especially with a new guest who gave back as much as he got. So let's jump right into the conversation with Mr. Tony Farina. Okay, Tony, welcome to the show, my friend. It's been a long time coming. Uh, thanks for being here. Yes, thank you. I'm excited. I'm a fan. I will I will admit to having not listened to everything of Marvel Plus because I'll admit to being a little behind on Marvel Plus. <laughs> There's but, a lot. You know, I, what, I lo- what I hear I love, and I, obviously your, your appearance on the greatest, the best new show of 2021, Geek, was outstanding. <laughs> What a, I love that show so much. I feel like what Paul does on that show, I got to know you. Like, I, listening to your show, you're really an open, honest guy. So, like, when you listen to your show and the BS show, you're like, you get who you are. But, like, whatever, mm-hmm. what Paul does, because I was a guest, too, you're like, wait, I don't even remember how he asked me that question. Because he cuts himself out. So, it's such yeah. a smart show, and I loved your appearance on there. So, I'm excited. I'm so thrilled you asked to have me on. And, obviously, you had Dave on and, and a few other folks. So, this is so cool. Yeah, I got to I got to know you in the same way through the Geek Show. Um, that, that's a, such a great show just for for finding people to connect with because, like every person he has on, you can really get to know a little bit about them and be like, hey, I think I would really vibe with this person. I think they'd be right. a good person to have a conversation with. Right, and even if it's just not on the show, just to be like, I want to be friends with that person. Like I've had, there's a few people who he's he had on that I've not met yet. So you you were one, and there's one more. I'm like, okay, gotta make sure. I get to know yeah. those people, invite them on, or you invited me on. So obviously at the end of this, when we're done, I'll talk about you coming on Indie Comic Spotlight and see 
see if you're keen on doing that someday. That'll be fun too. So this is exciting. Yeah, we all, Paul's the best, right? What a great show. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was just such a brilliant idea when it, especially the way, like you said, he cuts himself out of it. It's like, I love that. It just seems like, it's kind of like those documentaries like you watch like behind the music or something like that where you don't hear the interviewer's question you just hear someone telling a story i love that yeah he's a genius it's such a great show so i'm excited if you guys aren't listening to geek on the uh fantastic universes podcast feed what are you doing you're missing out definitely check that out yeah so i've been listening to you uh on a variety of shows because yeah. you're kind of like me. you you got a lot of plates spinning right you're like you do all these different podcasts uh, in addition to your actual like real life job. Um, so tell me about how you kind of got into like podcasting. How did that even happen? Is this a new development? Yeah, well, so actually it's funny. I This will come out, I'm assuming tomorrow or the next day, right? Because you're trying to get them out a quick turnaround. So this is yep. the beginning of December. And on December 30th will be my 100th Indie Comics Spotlight episode. Oh, wow. So what happened was, which is very cool. So I was a fan of Chris and Dave. I actually found them on Podbean because I'm old. And while, yes, I have an app on my phone, I actually like to download my podcast and listen to them offline, like on my old little old school MP3 player. I know you've got a video yeah. feed so everybody can see I'm an old man. So I would, I would listen to that. I would listen to, so Podbean actually made them, I don't know, maybe when it was episode, I don't know, 30 or 40, it could have been a little bit later, but it wasn't much later. Halfway through their first year, I'd say, I, I saw them on Podbean. Like they were like, hey, you might be interested in this because you're re listening to all this other dorky stuff. So I immediately was hooked from them. I went back to the beginning. I've listened to every single episode of Comics in Motion with Chris and Dave. Um, and so because they're such affable, fun guys, I just, and I'm not, I was never really super big on, on Twitter. I'm not a social media guy. Um, so I got on and I sent them a message. And I was like, you guys should do Speed Racer which is one of my all-time favorite movies. And I love Speed Racer, the comic, the cartoon from when I was a kid. So like, okay. So they did it and they shit all over it. Like they shit on it hard, which is fine. I yeah. mean, I love Speed Racer, but I get where they were coming from. So I wrote them back. It's like totally fair. So, so then they got to, so we just started, you know, through Twitter writing back and forth. And I was writing for DC Comics News. I started writing for them back in 2016, doing reviews and stuff. Always been a comic nerd. So because I had my foot in the door, they reached out and were like, hey, do you want to come on and do something just because you're a fan? And then, so I did Tank Girl with them. So the like one of the first episodes of the VHS Strikes Back slash uh, Comics in Motion crossover was Tank Girl. And which again, they hated, um, which is totally fine. I just, apparently I love to make Chris hate things. And then they invited me and Max on to do the Crisis on Infinite or CW crossover because mm -hmm. Max works for the sister side of DCN um, for Dark Knight News. So we were on, that's actually how I met Max, even though we wrote for the same guy, we didn't know each other. So it was just cool. So then maybe like a little while after that Dave, so it was like towards the end of 2019, 20, uh, yeah, 2019, Dave was like, hey, we're thinking about expanding and having a daily show, but we don't want to do it all. So what do you say? So I was like, I'd love to do something about indie comics because that's always been my jam. So he's like, cool. So I like created just a, like a, a trailer of what I thought the show would be. And as soon as I sent it to Dave, he's like, yep, this is the show. You're going to go do it. So they came on. My first episode was um, I Kill Giants, which was a crossover with them, and we did the movie. And then every either Thursday or Friday since then, I've been on. I've never missed a, I've never missed a week. I, I have stuck some of the other shows on the um, uh, Seasons Greetings with Jack. I've stuck some of those on, on on my day. But for the most part, I've just been going nonstop since then. So that's how it started. And then 
because Chris and Dave are such great guys. They're like, what? you know, so you've got an idea. They're going to foster it. They're going to be like, yeah, that's a cool, cool. So um, that's how it started. And, uh, and you know, just can't, I apparently can't seem to stop myself. Long so it started. Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, so it started with Indie Comic Spotlight. That was the first. That was my first Indo, the show that I did myself. Correct. Yeah. But it was just listening to Comics in Motion that started it. I mean, I've been listening to podcasts for years. Like, um, I know everybody's favorite is Joe Rogan experience. I don't listen to that. I, I mean, I understand. For me, it was Mark Marin, who I think actually started, like Mark Marin, the comedian, uh, what the fuck was Mark Marin? I always yeah. liked him as a stand-up from way, way back. I've always loved him. And so I've been in, like, he kind of, to my mind, he invented what we're doing. The fact that we're doing this is because he and Adam Carolla were like, they didn't know what else to do. They're like, let's try this thing. And so they both did it independently of each other. So I think like we all, all of us podcasters who owe a debt of gratitude to Adam Crow and Mark Maron. And so I love what the fuck. I still think that's like, it's like, he's like a therapist. <laughs> like, I don't know if you listen to that show, but yeah. the stuff he gets out of his guests. So I was listening to shows. Um, and then once I realized, like I listened to NPR's pop culture happy hour show and I just kept digging. And so, you know, the further you go down a rabbit hole, that's where the algorithm is cool. Cause it's like, you might be interested in. So it's like, oh, yeah. you know, so you start looking for comic book stuff. So Podbean, uh, we, it all comes down to thanking Podbean for, for giving me a recommendation that you're a dork. Here's some dorks from England. Do they sound like your people? <laughs> yeah. No, that's very cool. I think, um, so then you hit a point, I guess, eventually where you're like, you know, I think I could do this like this, you know, yeah, I mean, not right. just yeah. famous people. Uh, you meet, you see someone like Chris and Dave who are just regular guys. Yeah. And it's like, oh. This is just two guys talking about, you know, movies or, or comic right. books or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, just, and they make it seem like, you know, they, they make it seem like it's just it's easy to do as long as you're confident enough. And then I um, was on Mike's show, Genuine Chit Chat, talking about teaching. And Mike even was like, you should do this, you know, because it just I, I'm a I'm actually an introvert. I'm like, it's weird. I work with I work with folks as a teacher and I'm an introvert and you are driving alone all day in your truck and you're I guarantee you're much more of an extrovert. So it's really funny that we chosen professions that are the opposite of of who we are. But the, the nice thing about doing the podcast is um, you know, introverts still have things to say. You know, we still yeah. want to we still want to talk. It's just then we when we're done talking, we need to go like decompress for two hours. So uh, the podcasting is a really great place to do that. Just hearing Chris and Dave. And their banter, they're so fun. They're like my favorite duo. You know, I love, love listening to them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, if it wasn't for their show, I wouldn't have found you. I wouldn't have found so many other people that I've ended up having on this that's podcast. Awesome. Yeah. Get a gratitude to those guys because they, they just yeah, have the some best. awesome. Yeah. yeah, we call them the podfathers on our, in our network. That's what we call them yeah, yeah. on our, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense. So. I think um, I think of all your kind of different podcasts, artistic endeavors you got going on. My favorite is Indie Comics Spotlight. I love that you put this focus on it. it you know, Indie Comics, and I feel like in the past 20 years have gotten more and more and more mainstream. Like they're not the big two, but people have seen like the value in stuff that's not DC or Marvel. And there's been a lot of fantastic stuff that has been written that is not published by the big two. And I love that you, you know, put a spotlight on it, right? I, that's, of all the things you do, that's my favorite show to listen to. Um, and, and it's gotten me to, you know, go, hey, I think I want to actually read this thing that I've heard about, 
but I've never actually dug into. Like right now, my next plan after I get done with this Hawkeye series is to go read that 100 bullets that oh you guys Oh my God, dude, did. you are so, going to be, and it's a very, as I said on the show, it's a very uniquely American show. So you'll relate to it, especially okay. because I know you're more of a local, you, you drive locally more now, but you've been out there. You've seen America. Yep. Like, so you'll yep. get what this book is saying. It is so good. I can't wait for you to read it. And then we'll, you know, we'll talk about it. And because we only did the first half. So, you know, when we do the second half, yep. we have you on as a third in the third chair, maybe to talk. It's such a, it's a mind blower. It is. It's amazing. So we're, we're from like the same neck of the woods too, right? You are originally from Michigan. Yep. Is that right? Yes, sir. And I'm from Southwest or, Michigan. Yeah. Or should I say the, the the state up north? Because, you know, I'm down here in Columbus, Ohio. We're like old time rivals forever, indefinitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so but right now you're not living in, in Michigan. No, I live in Florida now. Yeah. So my wife is also from Michigan and we raised our our families there. Um, we're mm -hmm. divorced. We, like we're married to each other. We were previously divorced. We didn't have any kids together. We blended our families. Nice. Um, yep. And so then when when uh, the kids were old enough and, you know, moving out into the world, uh, my wife hates the cold. She hates hates the cold. She, and Michigan and, you know, because Ohio is the same way. It is sunny 100 days of the year, maybe. Uh -huh. And yeah. Florida, where I live now, is sunny about 320 days a year. And so yeah. she just she just needed that sun and the warmth. She hated the cold. And so. The opportunity came, she got a library job. And because I work online, I teach, I'm a college professor for Siena Heights University in Adrian, Michigan. Um, they, like we have faculty members, full-time faculty members who live all around the country, like one in North Carolina, one in Indiana, one in Nebraska. But then we have adjuncts who live everywhere, like Montana and Vermont and wherever. So it's like, because, you know, we are a truly remote university and we've been doing it for a long time, it was easy to do. So when my wife got offered the job, I called my boss. I was like, hey, was like, are you going to come to this meeting and this meeting and this meeting when I need you to? Yep. And I was just up there two weeks ago. So she's like, as long as you come when I need you to come, you can live anywhere you want. So that's the deal. So I still work in Michigan and I was just there in the middle of a snowstorm in the middle of November. That was nonsense. Um, but yeah, so it's cool. So I'm down here now and, you know, it's Florida. Florida's not really my scene. Everything in Florida is trying to kill me. Um, there's alligators outside and I'm terrified of them, but, um, but my wife loves it and our, and our backyard is a river and it's beautiful and the sun sets over the river every day. So I, you can't beat it. Yeah. Like, I, I, if we weren't recording this, this is what I'm going to tell you. It's December 3rd and you can shit on me and hate me later. Everyone who's listening and you, if we weren't recording this, I'd be at the pool, an outdoor pool. Yeah. I, I can't say, I <laughs> can't say I'm thrilled to know that. Uh, no, actually it's, it's. It's actually like seasonably warm up here right now. Like yesterday, was, you're in shirt sleeves. Yeah, it was like sixty something degrees yesterday. Um, today, it's I think maybe fifty. <laughs> so it's not yeah, bad at I all. Yeah, when I was there in November, it was snowing, and like yeah. twenty eight. So what are you gonna do? You know, it's it's the thing about Florida is the weather is equally as volatile, um, but just not with cold. It's like it could be thunderstorming, like blowing sideways, like in your windows, bad, and then ten minutes later, the sun is out and it's humid. So it's the yeah. same same temperamental weather that the East Coast of the United States has, you know, so. Yeah. 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 You got to take the good with the bad. Either way you go. So <laughs> for sure. Um, all right. So this Hawkeye series. First of all, I want to ask the all series, all the series overall so far. Um, 
what do you think about this whole idea that Disney had that Marvel had to, you know, incorporate series that would connect to the MCU? Like it's a pretty crazy idea. What do you think about how it's working so far? Well, to be fair, and I will admit to having not finished them all, um, I, I have not, but I think it's I'm of two minds. I feel like as storytellers, I love it because it fits into what comic books are. It fits into the greater world. I just read a book, and this was a pop gorilla, one of the other shows I do, where um, I just reviewed this book called All of the Marvels. Where there's this guy, David Walk. He read 27,000 Marvel comics. Yeah, you're making a face. That's the right face. So from 1961 to, to 2017, he read every single Marvel comic that was published. And then he tried to put that into some sort of narrative story arc. It was an amazing book. It, it's totally worth a read. I don't know if you listen to audiobooks when you're driving. I listen to the audio. It's totally worth it. Yeah. You should get, I mean, it's amazing. So, but what, what I, what, the reason I bring that up is because what he mentions in there is how more so than any other thing, and why I kind of like indie comics, is that the indie comic universe is its own universe. Like, if you're going to read 100 Bullets, which was a Vertigo title, it's so it's t DC owns it. But DC also owns Dark Horse. It's not like the 100 Bullets and, and uh, Hellboy are going to, they may do a crossover, but it's not, they don't really live in the same universe. So I like right. that the indie comics universe, there's a little less to understand. And what David Walk did with all the Marvels is he said, well, really, truly, Marvel's been telling one story since 1961, and it takes place in air quotes 14 years in this sliding scale. So he tried to yeah. navigate that. So what I love about, the reason I go down that rabbit hole, is because what I love about the series is that they're doing that. They're acknowledging that not everything is in New York. Not everything is just the battle of New York. Sometimes Wanda's over here doing, and that's how comic books work. As comic book readers, we know, and I know you're a big X-Men fan, and the X-Men for the most part, while, and, and I think it's always been okay, people are like, I wish the X-Men were in the Marvel Cinematic Universe instead of with Sony, but, the X-Men have always been separate. Sure, Wolverine will show up in, you know, Civil War. And, you know, there's some of the big crossover events. And there's been some, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch have been both X-Men and Avengers. But the X-Men have been their own universe, really, always, always, always. And so what I love about the Marvel Cinematic, or this, this TV version, is it's leaning into that. It's like the Marvel Universe is vast. And sometimes shit's happening somewhere else. And you... It's not just the movie. So while, so I love that part. The cynical part of me is like cash grab. It's like, how can we make yeah. sure that everybody is subscribing to Disney Plus forever? And when they launched Disney Plus, a lot of these shows were supposed to come out and then pandemic happened, whatever. So when they launched yeah. Disney Plus that first year, none of this stuff was on there. So it's like people paid for the full year of Disney Plus, didn't get any of this content. Now you're like, well, fuck, now I got to keep paying for it. So, I, I mean, I see... So, so that's the cynical part of me where Disney is Darth Vader. And it's funny that they bought Star Wars because they are the evil empire. However, I think yeah. as the comic nerd in me loves this idea that Hawkeye is a small story. The, the comic on which based is a small story. This is a small story. Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's a small story. I mean, yes, it has ripple effects for the big thing, but it's a small buddy cop story. You know, Loki's different than that. I haven't watched yet. But but you get the idea. And Scarlet, I loved the uh, WandaVision. Man, I loved that. I thought that was exceptional. Of course, anything Catherine Hahn is then going to be good. Yeah, um, she's amazing. She's a queen, right? We're watching the uh, Shrink Next Door right now on Apple, Apple Plus. She's just the third billing at that. She's not even in every episode. But when she's on screen, you're like, you might Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell, they might as well not even be on there. If Catherine Hahn's on screen, yeah. you can't. 
look great, but she's just outstanding. So I loved WandaVision and I heard she's getting her own spinoff series, which I'm excited about because she's her, give her whatever she wants. So I love that. The comic book nerd in me loves me, but the cynic in me is like, eh. so how do you feel about the fact that it is, I mean, your show is this, this one of your many yeah. shows, all of your plates that you're spinning. The Marvel Plus yeah. show is leaning into that. Yeah. Is that why you did the show? You're just like, well, I'm going to watch them all anyway. I might as well just own it. You know, it's like, how do you feel? Do you feel like there's any cynicism there? You're like, Really, I gotta watch a show about fucking Squirrel Girl. Now I love Squirrel Girl, so if they do a Squirrel Girl show, I will watch that. But I'm just saying, like, is that is that how you feel, or how do you feel? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm. Listen, maybe I'm a little bit like Disney, and so you can be of two minds about me. So one, I'm just a, a huge fan, and then maybe I'm just capitalizing on everyone's interest in in uh, Disney and Marvel, right? Maybe, like, yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I, I'm of the I'm of the same mind about it. I it it really bugs me how big of a corporation this is, and that they're swallowing everything up. It's like, but I can't stop watching what they're putting out, and it, it's like you feel like this pull, like I shouldn't be watching this, but I can't stop watching this. Like, but yeah, it it's like I'm going to be watching this and obsessing over it anyway. Why not do it and like put it out there as entertainment and meet new people in the process, like. This is this is fun. I've met so many people that have become friends just through doing this by having new people on the show all the time and, and like new perspectives. I've had people on here that like don't even like Marvel, like that come on as guests and they're like, yeah, I didn't really, you know, this episode was all right. But overall, I kind of hate what Marvel does and like, you know, all kinds of different people. And I've made so many friends. that It's like, I don't know. I think that's my favorite part of it is yeah. the meeting new people and growing my not only is the listenership growing, but like my circle of friends is growing. And it's going like worldwide, right? I have all these friends in the UK now. Like, what is that? Like, yeah, you know. it's so cool, isn't it? I know. I feel the same way about the Comics Bush family, and you know, which then it's like you, Scott Weatherly, Spider Dan, Angry Andy. You know, like all these people. Like it, it the the rings go out because you're like, oh, and then yeah. like Julian Darius because he's friends with Scott, has been on a few times, and Julian's one of the greatest human beings ever. And he and I are gonna super go meta in the in the new year. And we're going to actually do, because we're both English, we're both teachers. And, you know, like we like writing and literature and stuff. So he's he's got a French degree and I'm an English degree, but he he, he teaches English too. So we're going to actually do William Blake's, the, um, all of, he, he did the um, Songs of Innocence and Experience way back, you know, way, way back, hundreds of years ago. He actually did etchings for each poem. So it was like, we're calling that the original indie comic, like this list of poems that the oh, poet so. actually made artwork for. So we're going to get cool. like eight people are going to listen to that show. I know nobody's like, I'm not listening. That's not really, but we're going to do it. And I would never have met Julian or even had anybody who'd be willing to be like, yeah, William Blake, that was technically a comic book. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> so yeah. it'll be, yeah, I agree. It is. It's so fun. So, and again, I mean, I love what you're doing with the show because I think like here, 20 minutes in, we haven't even talked about the show yet. And that's part of yeah. why I love listening to your show because it's like, these are just nerds nerding out yeah. at its finest. Yeah. And that's, a beautiful thing about what Marvel Plus, what your show gives us and what Marvel is doing is just like giving us nerds. My, one of our daughters called yesterday because she wants to, he won't listen, I don't think to this. Travis isn't listening. But she wants to give him, they live in Ohio, and she's going to get him tickets to the, the con in Cleveland for Christmas. Oh, yeah. So she's like, she's never done that before. So she's like, I need an expert. So she called me and she's like, what do I do? I'm like, here's how you do it. And here's what you do. Get the three-day pass, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, so like, that's super cool. She's never gone and he's a big gamer and anime fan. So it's like, you know, 
and she's like, but he's really introverted. He's like you. And I'm like, I know, but that's okay. Like cons are full of people who are also like big nerds who just want to like, they're, they're they're not interested in bumping into you. I said, there's going to be somebody there with a $400 homemade cosplay of Kate Bishop. She doesn't want to bump into you either. You know, she doesn't want to ruin all her work she did. So trust me, it'll be okay. So she was nervous because, you know, that's the thing about us nerds is it's just such a lovely, respectful, they're the nicest people in the world. And yeah. so I think, I, you know, you, you have to be to say, I'm going to suspend disbelief for a while. And I'm going to believe that, you know, and going back to me, I'm old. So when I was a kid, Superman, you know, I was five years old when, when that came out. It's like, you can believe that a man could fly. And Christopher Reeve is always going to be my Superman. Superman 77 is a top five super, you know, superhero film of all time for me. When you look back at it, you're like, oof, those effects were bad. But like it gave us nerds voice for the first time. Like that was a moment for us. So yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. I hear that. That Thank you for making that a positive friend because it can just be easy to be stuck into the evil empire of, of Disney. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, and I get that where you were talking about how you're just being passionate about doing something and how you plan to do something that'll probably only get eight, eight listeners. Yeah. I totally get that. Like Dave and I even have, we, we kind of have a, a, a little secret, uh, Oh, uh, I can't wait. Really? Project. Yeah. We have a little secret project that I can't talk too much about. And I, it's like, it's this thing we keep talking about. We never actually get to, but, um, you know, it's, it's really niche. I mean, like super niche. I, I don't think most people are going to be into it, but Dave and I love the subject matter so much that it's like, you know, yeah, we want to yeah. do this, even if no one listens, you know? Yeah. Just for fun. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, I, you know, and who knows? I mean, maybe with Julian and I do in the, the William Blake episode, people, people who don't normally listen to comic book podcasts who are English nerds would be like, William Blake, yeah. I'll, I'll click on that. And maybe we'll get a whole new, because I still think, you know, high art, low art. I hate that phraseology. I mean, yes. come on. You're, listen, maybe it was like three years ago when Jim Lee was doing the covers for the Suicide Squad uh, during Rebirth. There was this cover of Suicide Squad that gives me goosebumps. I'm going to get all freaked out just thinking about it. It's Katana, and she's holding her sword in front of her eyes, and Killer Croc is in the blade. Uh-huh. It is like... I, I, it, it should hang on the wall of a museum. It is like beautiful. It tells you everything you need to know about her. In that you see she's fearless. There's a monster in her blade, which means she's looking at a monster and the look on her face is totally calm. It's such an excellent work of art. And if it weren't a comic book cover, people would be like, oh my God, look at this picture of this epic, you know, warrior princess that Katana is. But because it was like, ah, it's just some comic book thing. Well, I'm sorry, Jim Lee is a king. And he deserves to be on the wall of the MoMA or whatever, wherever modern art is housed. And, and I, think, I think of that all the time. So, you know, the hope with that show is when, when we do with the William Blake show is we make, that's what we're going to talk a lot about is now, you know, visual storytelling. It's all high art. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm excited. So I'm adorable. No, that's, really, that's a really <laughs> cool. I, like, I agree 100%. Like it, it's, it's somehow become these two different categories when it's, it's all just art and it always yeah. has been. It's just like one was at one point aimed towards a younger audience, mm-hmm. but it's like, there's been art, you know, forever aimed at younger audience. There, there's yeah. pictures that are made for kids throughout history and they don't quant- like quantify that differently. They're not like, oh, well, this is for grownups and this is only for kids. And, and you know, this artist isn't a real artist. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it's the same thing with, it's the same thing with the judgment on, 
these popcorn action flick Marvel comics movies or, you know, um, a Martin Scorsese film. It's like some people will say like, well, these are completely different things. One is real movie making and the other is, you know, a kid. You know, it's for kids. It's popcorn flick. It's action flick. It's it's a moneymaker. But it, it's when I look at it, I just look at like these are movies that are both telling stories and they're telling damn good stories. And it doesn't matter who who it, if it's PG-13 or or, uh, you know, rated R, they're still telling fantastic stories. That's what attracts me to the MCU. It's not even the action. It's not all that stuff that um, that when people from the outside look at it and go, oh, it's, uh, it's another one of those. You know, when I look at it, I'm really invested in the storytelling. Like, that, that's my favorite part about it. The, my, the interactions, the dialogue, the stories that they're telling, right? I don't, I don't even, I'll be honest, the the action and stuff is like second tier to me. Like that's not my first focus when I'm getting in. That's why I like these series so much. They're really like character driven stories. Yeah. So, and that's my favorite stuff. I mean, that's why when you say who's your favorite blah, like my favorite X-Men, Kurt, I believe yours is Kitty Pride. Um, Wolverine. Wolverine. Okay. I don't know why I thought is Kitty on your top. I swear you've mentioned Kitty and stuff. I've, I've talked about her recently. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe it was just recently you did. I mean, yeah. but Kurt is my favorite. Nightcrawler is my favorite X-Men, hands down, because he's such a complicated character. Because when you think about if Kurt didn't look like a blue demon, he'd be a priest. Yeah. And that that's such an interesting setup for a character, somebody who's born with who looks like a demon, but who still believes in like Jesus Christ as his personal savior. And he would be he believes it so much that he would be leading the congregation if he didn't look like he looked. And if they let him looking like he looked, he still would. And I was raised Catholic and I'm not on that team anymore, but I feel like that is such an interesting look at Kurt. We know so much about him and like such a few things. So, so to me, that's why the accent, you know, count, right. You're right. It's like you, you, and the characters that you don't care about and the ones that don't work are the ones that are like samey, samey, just giant gray blobs, whatever. The reason the Snyder cut was so much better than the other cut is because it, it spent the time on the characters. Like me as a comic fan, I know everything about Vic. Titans were one of my favorite stories. So I filled in the blanks when I watched the original Justice League. Mm-hmm. But people who had never, who didn't know who Cyborg was, outside of the guy who says Booyah on that cartoon, they didn't get yeah. it. And then they're like, oh shit. So yeah, I think giving, it is, I love character-driven fiction anyway. And, and that's, you're absolutely right. Comic books, these stories, the reason people love the, the MCU, it, the original 20 Infinity Saga is because they, those actors made those characters feel like they're friends. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think the casting of Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop is brilliant because oh, she's such a great actor that's... and she, she's, you feel like she knew who Kate Bishop was before she stepped on, yeah. on you know, on set. Yeah. Well, thank you for the segue. We do need hey. to get into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you said, we're like, we're like, what, like 30 minutes into the yeah, show and we have not no, hey, that's what I do here. I love it. I love this. So, um, as you said, Kaylee or Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop, fantastic, right? Like, like it. I feel like, and I was going to ask you, have you read the source material that this is pretty strongly based on? Yeah, I did. So my my daughter, my youngest daughter, read this in real time. She was picking it up from the shop, and it was actually. Tough because as, as you got like past the first year, the the that's why you see after so many episodes, um, 
Ahad isn't uh, doing all of the art because they couldn't mm -hmm. keep up and they were running behind. And that was getting people pretty pissy because imagine reading this in real time and then having to wait, you know, yeah. instead of one month, now you're waiting three months or something. So my, my youngest was reading this in real time. So I could just read over her shoulder. So um, I did reread the first 12 in preparation for our show. I didn't go back and reread the whole thing because, again, I didn't want to get further ahead because the, the back end, the last 10 are, are quite different. I don't know if I think the show will go that way anyway. And if even if it did, I didn't want to think too much about that. I just wanted to focus on that on that intro. And, and in the comic, of course, Kate and Hawkeye, Kate and Clint already know each other. Um, yeah. They don't hear but yeah, I've read the source material. I love when they when Pizza Dog showed up in the show. I was shocked. I was like, oh, they're gonna get a one-eyed dog. How, I, I don't know if that's just CGI'd onto that dog. It doesn't matter. It's so cool. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan. And I know from your last episode, you started reading it. So, what yeah. do you think now that you've read it? Um, I'm in love with it. Uh, okay. I'm about. I think I'm on the fifth issue. Um, I'm just kind of like reading it in between like the kids' sporting events and like stuff like that. We're like taking up to taking them to Taekwondo and stuff. And I'm like reading the, you know what I mean? A couple pages yeah. here and there. And um, I was just blown away at how much they're adapting it. Like it's, it's clearly, there's a different setup, right? Like you said, they're not uh, in the show. They're just meeting for the first time. Whereas in the comic, they've already known each other. Um, you know, they, they switch like, I think in the comic, Pizza Dog belonged to Hawkeye. You know, he saved Pizza Dog, not her. And in the show, she saved the dog. And that became her pet. Um, so it, I think, and I think that's purposeful. I think that kind of like switching them is purposeful because she is meant to be the Hawkeye at some point going forward. Yeah, and yeah. I think they're really going to lean into that. So like, I think that's why they gave her some of that stuff that was originally Clint's part of the story, you know, to make it more, uh, more solidified that like she's going to be the new Hawkeye. Uh, yeah. But I, I'm amazed at how much of the stuff they're putting in the series, like e exact dialogue coming straight from the book. Um, I've seen literal panels play out on the screen. Like it's crazy. And it's the closest, I think I said in the last episode, this is the closest I've seen them adapt something. Like usually they change a lot around about a story. Um, but this feels very much like the comic that I'm reading. And I think it's because it's that street level stuff. When you when you think about season three of Daredevil, which is based on Born Again, it's obviously mm -hmm. slightly different because they work in a you know they didn't do to Karen in the movie and the show that Frank Miller did to Karen in the comic. Thankfully, actually, uh, I always thought Karen was kind of done dirty in the comic. But um, I mean, Born Again is Frank Miller's best work in my opinion. It's not my favorite, but it's his best work. I, and um, and you can see how closely they tried, but they're like, well, we have to make these changes for this reason. Right. And again, same thing. Um, that's the next closest thing I can think of in season three of Daredevil, maybe. Um, uh, you know, and obviously the problem is, is that in this, they've given Hawkeye, they've given Clint a family where, you know, he and in the series, he and Bobby, actually Bobby brings him his divorce papers at one point later in the series. Bobby, the, the Mockingbird. Sorry. Um, Adrian Palacki played her in the MCU, right, on the um, on the S.H.I.E.L.D. show. But so they've changed her up a little bit. So those are things you have to do just for whatever reason to fit into the narrative of the MCU. But like as far as plot goes, the tracksuit bros, oh my God, the, the, those guys. That is like, 
like, and they rip them right off the page. And they're like, these are the most absurd villains. And I think the reason it works with Daredevil and Hawkeye and why you can't get away with it is because they're such street level, claustrophobic stories. You only need 10 characters to tell the story. So you can be more true to it. You don't have to bring in Iron Man. You don't have to bring in Hulk. It doesn't matter. It's just these two people in this neighborhood. And that's, you know, I think that's why it's easier to, to stay true to it. Yeah, I, I think I, this of all these series so far this is one of my favorites and we're only halfway through now they could totally screw it up but can't imagine um, they're gonna i yeah i don't think so there, there's something about the flavor of this series that like it just feels like this is a good one you know what i mean like from from the word go it felt just good man like the other ones i think maybe too with the problems with production and stuff a lot of the other series may have suffered from that like you know they're missing an episode of what if uh they cut a whole piece of the storyline out of falcon and the winter soldier they, they did all these things because of covid came along and kind of messed up um filming and production and post-production like all this stuff and maybe hawkeye wasn't affected as much maybe they got to tell it, it, it the way that they meant to um but man if it plays out like the comic is playing out and, and it continues with those beats like what they're doing so well in this series is blending like the comedy with the action with the like the heart it has a lot of heart this thing does like especially in this episode this might have been one of my favorite episodes of all of these series so far just because it had like a little bit of everything and yeah i can agree with that yeah i think there's maybe one there's uh, there's maybe the episode of wandavision when they when they br brought back the uh quicksilver like that was like when the reveal was he was an actor like that was that was brilliant i thought that was super smart but no i think you're right i think um because even that you were working towards something else where this is just like this is them being the characters that they're going to be this is them becoming friends this is him getting a new daughter this is her getting yeah. a new dad it's smart because in the comics in this in the world it's kate's dad who's alive and her mom who's dead. Mm -hmm. So it's really smart that for this, they flip that. Not only because, you know, Vera Farmiga is awesome, but it's also because you're like, she needs a dad. Yeah. I, so it works really well. Um, and Jeremy still remembers the snap when he didn't have a family for those five years, you know? So, um, you know, that version of Clint. So I like it. I like that change. And I just think it's, yeah, you're right. It's their chemistry is as, is astronomical. You see um, how, how in character they are. And how, you know, Jeremy's not done this for a year, years. And he just drops back in like nothing happened. So you see what kind of good actor he is. She was off doing Dickinson, which is a show I love too, when she got the offer for this movie, for this role. So she's playing Emily Dickinson and Kate Bishop. You know, it's like, these are like huge things she's taking on her shoulder. And what a swing to go from one to the other too. So that says something right. about her skill. I think that's part of it is that your leads are A-list you know, award-winning style of actors that helps, right? Don't you think? Yeah, and I, I feel like this this role too. Depending on who you got to fill it, it could have been really not good. Like if you got the wrong person to play her, she might just come off as like kind of a bitch. Like you know, yeah. it's like she's not gonna be. But the way she's so charming, like she's so like she could be just the way that she's like you know so overconfident and like. Um, but she's always messing things up. She could be annoying. She's not annoying at all. Like she is so charming in the series. And then Hawkeye's like, um, or Jeremy Renner's kind of understated, like the way that he acts about things. And like, he's just like, kind of burdened by everything. Like I love he it. He wants dude. to they go home, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, uh, it's... Uh, 
you know, I know, I, I don't know if you've made the comparison, but some people have made the comparison to Lethal Weapon. But I, honestly, I know this is like quite a stretch, but he's another comic book thing. I make the stretch to like Dante in uh, Clerks. He's like, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Like that's his, that's what he's doing the whole thing. He's like, damn it. I just wanted to take the kids, see the tree, yep. and see the play and go home and make gingerbread house. And I can't. So that's how I feel. Like he's playing it in that. I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Not that I'm too old for this shit. That's yeah. what I love about it. Is he's not that he's put out. I mean, because in Clerks, you know, Dante shows up and does the work. He doesn't want to, but he does. And Clint doesn't want to do this. And I think it comes through in his performance so well. And I was like, I like that scene when she, in this episode, where she falls through the skylight and all that. Or was that at the end of the last episode? That's in this one. Yeah. It was it was at the end of the last, but they replay it like right at the beginning. Right. So, so that look on his face is just like, ah. And you're right, it can <laughs> easily be in the way, but he isn't. He's just like frustrated. He's like, of course mm -hmm. this is what happened. Yeah, so good. Yeah, and I love it. I love that that his whole goal is like get back to his family, get back to his family, and it you know you feel it happening slowly. Like she's becoming part of his family. It's gonna be like, oh, this she she's family too. Like this is important. But I love the the side of Hawkeye that is like, yeah, he's almost annoyed to be having to do this, but at the same time. He's choosing to do this. Like, that's the hero that he is. He is choosing. Like, she calls attention to it later in this episode, and it's like, oh, when she does, it's like, that's it, man. When she's like, no, you are a hero. You, you're you choosing to be here for a stranger when you could be home with your family. You chose just because a stranger might get hurt. You decided to stick around. It's like, no, you are somebody's role model. You are a hero, you know? I love that. I, I love that. I agree. I think it's really well. I think it's really, really well played because I think. There's a lot like in the second episode where he's like, no, that's Katniss Everdeen. And yeah. there's actually that reminds me like when Jon Stewart was still hosting The Daily Show, he made a joke about Hawkeye being Katniss Everdeen like that. So that joke's been around for years. So I think they're like calling back to that. So I think this is fans have been mad that Hawkeye's been sidelined for most of the Avengers for the Infinity Saga. He's he's been Ronin. He's been, you know, mind manipulated. Other than it's Jeremy Renner, he's not been Clint. He's not had a chance to do anything. So I think, yeah. I think this show is being very meta and saying like, we see you, fans. We hear you, Hawkeye's fans. People like me and Spider Dan, who read West Coast Avengers in the '80s. You know, we're more like we want our Hawkeye. And in this, she draws the picture of Hawkeye in that. Yeah. Oh my God, that's his West Coast Avengers costume, and he's like, I'm not gonna yeah. wear that. But I think that's so smart. So it's like, I think when you when you put those two things together, that is a love letter to the fans who are Hawkeye, Hawkeye comic fans, but also like people who like the Jeremy Renner Hawkeye get plenty. But this is, and sometimes you say fan service is bad. I don't, in this case, I think fan service was great. I thought yeah. it did what we needed. We, it does what we needed to do for comic book fans and the movie fans. And those of like us who like both. Yeah, I think all these series actually have done a lot of that meta stuff where they they like they're talking directly to fans and you can tell like when it comes to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it was all about not only showing the world that, hey, this is going to be your new Captain America. But it was also telling the fans like, hey, Steve Rogers is gone. It's time to move on. This is your new Captain America. And it was like telling that story. And I think they did it really well in a way that like, you know, by the end of it, it was like when when he first gave him the shield, I was like, eh, OK, I mean whatever i but by the end of that series i was fully on board with the new captain america so it, it yeah. accomplished its goal it did and fans people who've read the comic have seen sam in that costume like 
that wasn't yeah. a shock for anybody who's read any Captain America comics. You've seen, I mean, you've seen Bucky as Captain too. So I get what the show was doing. It was like comic nerds, which ones, which way is it going? But we all knew it yeah. was going to, we all know, we all get it. We all know who can carry a movie. It's not Sebastian Stan. Like he, the way that, not that he's not a good actor because he is, but it's the, they didn't create Bucky in the MCU to have any charm. Yeah. You know, nobody wants grumpy old man Captain America. Everybody loves Sam. He's everybody's favorite. You know what I mean? Like, he's so, like, as the as the sidekicks from all of the main series, like, everybody loves Sam. I love Sam. I love Sam in the comic. I think Andy Mackie's a great actor. So, to me, it, was an, it wasn't a shock that he was going to be Captain, because they're like, I've seen, I've already seen that picture, and it makes perfect sense with the, with what they were doing, you know, so... I agree. I think, but again, it was just enough. If you had never read the comic, you could get invested. And if you've read the comic, you're like, oh, which way are they going to go? Because I know one of them is going to be, or like me, you're like, of course it could be Sam. And you know, and if it had been Bucky, I'd have been like, well, it was also Bucky. I'm okay. But I like, so it's like in your mind, you're like, of course it's Sam. <laughs> That's what it has to be, you know, like mentally, not knowing anything about the, the actor's contracts or anything. I don't look into any of that. But just like to me, my heart said Sam, just like in this like you've been saying all along, and Dave mentioned this too, this is, Jeremy Renner's going to be top billing. This is Kate Bishop's story. Yeah. This is her yep. coming out party, as it were. And like when it's all done, because in the comic, they call each other Hawkeye. Yeah. And I yeah. suspect and I that's how this will end, right? Yeah. And I think, I, I don't know if he's done it already. No, he, I've just, I've seen it in the book, right? He calls her Hawkeye. She calls him yeah, Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, but if you remember in Avengers Endgame, that first scene, that opening scene where his family gets snapped, Mm -hmm. Um, he calls his daughter Hawkeye. And I think that got a lot of people like speculating that like, oh, they're going to switch it and they're going to make her like the Kate Bishop character because he, he literally was like, nice shot, Hawkeye. And it was like very, very much from this yeah. comic book series. But yeah, I, I, I can't wait for that. I can't wait till he calls her Hawkeye. That's going to be fantastic. That's how it's going to end, um, right? Of course. I, so, it better. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into this because the whole like prologue of this episode is us getting to know Maya Lopez. And I thought this was really cool that not only that they put her in this series, because at first I was questioning it, like, why are they putting her in this series? Um, it, it felt like it was coming out of nowhere. But that's because these are like two different stories. Like what they've done here is they've combined the Hawkeye series with this echo story that happened like in the daredevil comics so it's like but it's so brilliant that they brought them together because they have so much to do with like american sign language and uh being hearing impaired and the, this whole idea of like how do you live in a world where you can't understand everything or like you know you only get every other word and and like it's difficult it's difficult for you to like something to overcome like this and the comic did it in such a good way too where they they leaned really hard into that, like only under this is from Hawkeye's perspective. He could he could only understand like every third word or he, he had to learn to use sign language. And I think there was a whole book later on in the series that was like mostly sign language, right? It was yeah. silent. And this episode was very much like that. They were playing on that, like playing with the audio, like, OK, it's really muted here. And they did it with both characters. And I love that. So it using that. The hearing impairment as a way to make these stories come together as one story. It's such a brilliant idea. Like I see it now, like, oh, that's why they're using her. That's why this works. Like, so 
what did you think about this whole little origin story for Maya Lopez? Yeah, I love it. I think Echo is one of those anti-hero type characters uh, from the comics that most people have never heard of, which is good. I think it's smart. It's, you know, you've already, you know, you turned all your B-listers into A-listers. Yep. With the MCU. Well, now you got to get your C-listers and turn them into yep. A-listers. And and Echo, and the thing is, is a good, a well-developed comic book character isn't a B-lister or a D-lister. It's just you've never heard of her. Right? Yep. You, not you, you know, Brett, but like you, the general public. So yeah. I love that this was her origin story. I love that they do lots of shortcutting. Um, you know, the fact that that she is deaf is important. You know, she's that's what she is a daredevil hero villain because daredevil's blind and it's a cool, you know, obviously that's a thing that you do. You know, you give mm-hmm. somebody the opposite of you and you see how you can work. Um, I think yeah. Uh, you know, and it's again that was fan service because Wilson, Wilson Fisk adopts her in the series. So of course you're like this whole thing. There's somebody above. There's somebody above. Nerds are like it's got to be fucking Kingpin. Um, yeah. And if and if it's not him, it's okay too. It was just cool that you you eventually it will happen, right? You're you're telling us even as if at the end of this six issues, you know, Vince D'Onofrio is back as the Kingpin. Mm-hmm. That's okay because we know he exists now. When you bring in Echo, so it does two things. Is, is it plays on like everything you said about Clint coming to terms with his own disability and us seeing Echo always being deaf and how she's overcome her disability and that scene with her as a little kid when she knows all the answers even though she can't hear. Yes. So smart. It's just there. It's there if you want to see it. If you don't get what's going on, that's okay. But for us, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You see how smart she is. She's better than everybody in every room she's in. And her deafness hasn't held her back. So I love that. And, you know, the comparison for Clint to understand how his hearing disability doesn't have to be one. And and his right. son in issue, episode two is trying to sign with him, but he won't do it. You know, it's like his yeah. son is trying harder than him. So there's just lots of really nice touches there. And I think so. So giving us Echo gives us access to the Daredevil lore, but it also gives us somebody who is a, who is I suspect there will be a totally silent or you know it's like in this one it's definitely muted and and you know when kate's talking and clint can't hear her and there's there's some good stuff there but i still think um i wouldn't be surprised if episode four or five is going to have no sound for most of it and it won't even have music it'll just be a silent episode uh i they're setting us up for something visually and you know auditorily stunning so i love her as a villain i don't you're right she's out of place but again this is going back to what we said off the top this is how you're saying it's a marvel universe it's yeah. we're done. There's no Sony. There's no Netflix. There's no anything. We have it all now. Yep. It all exists. And you want people. That was the biggest knock on the Daredevil universe. I just kept talking about the battle for New York. Right. And other than like, I think on in the in the newspaper where Karen worked, like there were a couple of you know headlines on the on the uh, wall. That was it. So now you're like, oh, we're just going to we're done with that. This is this is we're all in the shared universe. So I, I think it's great. And. If you don't know who she is, she's a cool, badass villain. She's frightening. She's she's so terrifying. The the actor's face. What do you make of the actor? I think she's so good. Because I think being yeah. scary isn't being, in, not scary, but being intimidating is a hard acting job. She's great. Yeah. I'm scared of her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even just starting as like the, the little girl who is like learning these things. She's uh, learning martial arts and she's with only one leg too yeah yeah and that was something i was like was that 
I, I don't know about the character of Echo. Was that another part of the story, or is this? I don't think so. This I is something that, that they add, Dave will tell me that I'm wrong. That's uh that's one more thing that they're adding like into. Well, I don't know if they're adding it, but that's one more thing that this person has to overcome, right? And she she obviously she's overcome her being uh, hearing impaired, and she's a badass fighter with one leg. You know, it's yeah. like she it doesn't matter. She can overcome anything, and I guess her kind of skill set is being able to learn things you know much like to mimic people and like being able to watch things and pick up on it and and learn it like that just by seeing it so i think that's pretty cool like it's it's much like daredevil where he has this incredible other senses because he has no sight everything else is like enhanced and for her it's like her sight is teaching her everything just by watching. I think that would be brilliant though if they did a silent episode. I don't know if they'll do it because I don't know how many people would be like bought into that, but I would love it. I think it would be incredible. I think that would shoot this series to the top for me if they did something that artistic like we're going to do an entire silent episode much like an entire silent issue. That would be yeah. awesome. I think it would be smart. I, I just did some quick look. It looks like she, that's her, that's the actor. Okay. Who just had Th that's so what I was wondering. They wrote it in. Yeah, it looks like it. That's what I was wondering. Is is that the actress, you know, is that a disability that she lives with? And that's another kind of neat thing that, you know, maybe that helps her be so good at playing someone who is hearing impaired. It's like, oh, I've lived with this thing my whole life. Mm -hmm. So imagine if I lived with this other thing my whole life and had to adapt. I love the line from her dad about living in two worlds, like jumping between two worlds. And I like that works perfectly too with any kind of like struggle in life like that. It's something that's lifelong where like, okay, you've got to live this life, but you've also got to intermingle with these people who are, you know, don't deal with the same things as you. So yeah, yeah, really good. And I think you're right. She is intimidating and that is hard to do. It that's is. really hard. Um, especially I think that's in why D'Onofrio has to show up because well, I love Michael yeah. Clark Duncan because he's such an imposing man. Gone too soon, Michael Clark Duncan. But the reason I love D'Onofrio's kingpin, while well, Michael Clark Duncan fit what he looks like, because D'Onofrio has got that thing or that dead yeah. look in his eyes, where he's just fucking yeah. fright. Like he's terrifying. Without, I mean, he's, he's a big guy. D'Onofrio's big, but he's not like that imposing. Like you know. Right. So, so I love that you know she has that too. You know what I mean? So it's mm -hmm. like that. Uh, it's a good it's a good connection there. And again, that's why I think D'Onofrio's performance as Kingpin is so good is because that dead look in his eyes where he's like, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Whatever you're saying, it's irrelevant to me. I'm on a mission. And she has that in this. And so it is. And I don't know if she studied that. It says it looks like this is her first acting role, which is outrageous to me that this yeah. is how she's bursting onto the scene and introducing badass McGee. Um, she's yeah. great. And I think. I feel like it is a great channel of that character. And even again, if we don't see Kingpin, but we see her, it's good enough. I'm thrilled. I think she's so good. What did you, what did you think of that, that little scene we got though, where she was doing martial arts and you got the guy, her uncle come up and you only see him from the back and he like pinches her cheek and laughs. Kind of sounded like D'Onofrio there. I think it, it did. is. Oh, I totally think I, it is. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if they actually do though. I wonder if they reveal it by the end. Um, I would hate though, if they tried to make it like, oh, that wasn't him like it was someone else um 
If but, you don't reveal it, that's okay. If you just hold on yeah. to it until the end of yeah. the the stinger at the end of 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 uh, Spider-Man, I'm yeah. still convinced too that what's going to happen is is that Kate Bishop will show up in the Ms. Marvel series. Which, by the way, also when you do that, sign me up because my other dog, okay. one of my other daughters, was reading that in real time. The G Willow Wilson, yeah. Kamala Khan series, which might have been, I mean, the best Marvel. If this Hawkeye series didn't exist, I would say. That G. Willow Wilson, Ms. Marvel was the best Marvel series of the of the tens. Okay. And I don't know if you read it. It is. Oh, no, no, no. I've heard good things, though. Oh, like, oh, my God. So I think that Kate will show up in that because I think they're building yeah. the Young Avengers, right? And then in Ant-Man and the Wasp, his daughter. So you're building the Young Avengers with these girls. Young yeah. Whip, I mean, Kamala is actually a girl and obviously Kate's a woman. But um, and they're aging up the actress for the new Ant-Man. They switched out yeah. actresses, right? So. So you're going to have, you know, the Young Avengers is there. So I'm just saying, I suspect that will happen. So even if you wait and you have Echo be the villain mm -hmm. in the Young Avengers series, and that's when the, you know, it's like you just keep teasing it. I'm the long. I don't go along for the ride. You don't have to reveal it. But like, I'd rather that you don't reveal it, that I'm with you, than say, oh, it wasn't him all along. That would piss me off. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be I'd be fine with waiting six months or something to see that Kingpin is in this world and that was him. But yeah, if they if they're like they show they if they reshow that scene and then they pull back a little further and it's not him at all, I'd be like, ah, oh, why would you do that? This is a yeah. this is a uh, a quicksilver moment all over again. Like, <laughs> I love that. Uh, I kind of love that though. It, I, it, it was it was. Yeah. But you don't want to go back to that well too many times. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. So yeah, I really enjoyed kind of getting the backstory on her, um, and then we jump right back into where we left off last week which is well we didn't know it but they're in a warehouse but we get to see in this one it's a kb toys Love which that. i thought was really, nice touch yeah, for like, gen xers who know what that is yeah i was like i was like i bet most like younger people watching this today have no idea that reference at all you know they don't get that at all but it's like when i was a kid there was kb store like kb toy stores in like all the shopping malls right. and like well that that's another relic of the past right shopping malls is like those aren't yeah. even those are barely a thing anymore um but yeah i love that touch that they were in a, in a giant kb toys that was fantastic oh i agree i thought it was really cool and it's again to me it's playing on the 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 age discrepancy between them you know it's like in the comics they're not nearly as far apart age-wise um and obviously as they are with the actors and so they are leaning into that here and i think that's part of it it's like this is mm -hmm. this is he's a relic of an of a past time Hawkeye is too so I think it's that's my feeling is it's meta commentary because it's you could have done anything you didn't even have to have the name on the warehouse but that's a choice that they made yeah. yeah loved it and then the action in this I know you said earlier it's not even about the action but this episode is essentially all action yeah but it's the stunt so good choreography it's... is out of control mm -hmm. you know that's something I thought actually um I don't know if you watched Loki, but Not that's yet. something I thought suffered a little bit in Loki was the fight choreography. I think I, I called attention to it at some point, but I was like, you know, compared to some of the other stuff I've seen with like action scenes, fight scenes and stuff like that, it it looked, it looked choreographed. You know what I mean? It looked like, Iron, like, like season one of Iron Fist. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell and, they didn't have a lot of time to shoot season one of Iron Fist if it comes through. Everybody craps on the performances in that, but they literally had a week to prepare for that show. You yeah. know, it was like a, too quick of a turnaround. So I feel I, 
Okay, so I haven't watched Loki yet, so I'll look for that when I watch it because I'll be like, oh, okay, I see. yeah. Just in comparison, because they had some good sequences in that, like action sequences, but I just felt like the fighting didn't quite do it. But this this series is fantastic. I love the the fight choreography. I love all the action sequences, the driving. Like this is insane. This they clearly had a budget for this thing. Um, this whole episode, like I said, it's my favorite, man. So far, it's like all action. But somehow they worked in some heart. There's jokes sprinkled throughout the entire thing. It felt like the comic book. I think it was just issue three of the comic book was basically this episode. It's got the car chase scene. Um, the same it's got car, the diff- except there that he refuses to take the car. Yeah. Yeah, I love little touches like that that are like for people who have read the comic, like oh, there's the car, there's the '72 Challenger, and then it's like oh no, they're going to take the the ugly the, car, the beater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that they that they do that kind of thing just to like be like, nope, gotcha. But um, the 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 trick arrows, the whole episode about the trick arrows, like the comic was the same way. That car chasing was like, oh, trick arrows. Which one does this? What does this one do? And the whole well, let's back up a little bit. So they're in the warehouse and they're before they escape. We get her and you're saying she's so intimidating, like she's uh you know, interrogating them without any words. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. And we get to, to realize too, that this guy who I thought was just a member of the tracksuit mafia is actually somebody a little more important, right? He's got some pull here and some connections to this mysterious uncle, this higher ups, because he has the ability to tell her like, Hey, 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 you know, stop doing this. And she actually listens to him. So we get to see that he's just not, he's not just another tracksuit mafia guy. You know, he's not just another bro. You know, he's just the, oh, bro. He's, he's, That's so good. he's someone more important, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, Hawkeye loses his hearing aid. She crushes it. And they make this pretty awesome escape. And when they get, when they get outside, they get in the car. Um, and wait, do you remember the guy's name? The, the guy that, I just said was a little more important than just a tracksuit guy. What is his name again? Do you I'll remember? Have to look. I'll look while you're, while we're talking. I don't remember. Okay. No. Cause, cause again, it's like just the three of them are all that matter to this, you know, it's echo and Kate and, um, and they don't call her echo in this, but the show is called echo. Yeah. And I, and I, um, I just, in my head, he's like the, um, he's just the stunt double for Jon Snow. Like that's who they have playing this guy. Cause I was like, wait a minute. Is that no, they wouldn't do that. But um, they make this this awesome escape. And like I said, the banter throughout the whole thing, like it's stuff straight out of the book. He's like saying that she's nine years old and spoiled rotten. Like, these yeah, are yeah. Direct- Look at her. She's nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, tries to convince them that, you know, look, dude, she's not the Ronin, you know, but he still won't admit that he is Ronin. And I, I'm guessing that's just mainly to protect his family more than anything. I don't think it's about protecting himself so much. I think it's more about like why well, I can't have my family be connected with this, you know, this vengeful, terrible, um, vengeful person. But oh, and I guess I skipped over it, but we saw that Ronan is responsible for her father's death. That's her whole vendetta here. And so you kind of get why she is so dead set on taking Ronan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, and and this is what I think. I hear that, and that's all true. And I think that's a really cool way to to do it. And it's a lot of visual shorthand, and 
you know, it's mm -hmm. redoing. They do this really well in the in these shows where they reshoot scenes from things you've seen previously, where they mix the previously shot footage with new footage and they merge it together. They do it editors for the win. Um, good that. job, editors. You do a great job making it seem like it's the same shot when it clearly isn't. So that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I like that. I, I like that part of it. And of course, what we also see is the commentary that because we have this family drama, Clint has his family drama, Kate has her family drama, Echo has her family drama. And mm -hmm. nobody wants to see what's right in front of them. We don't want to see that Eleanor is evil. But Kate is so dead set that Jack is bad. And in the comic, Jack is in it. You know, he's the swordsman, whatever. And I still, I'm with Dave. I think that's a dodge. I think we're setting up that one, which is fine. I mean, he's still who he is. He's still the swordsman, but I still think he's not a baddie. I think we're, it's going to be like the Mandarin thing. Um, yeah, I could be complete. Yeah, I agree. I you're wrong. And I'm okay being wrong. But but I like yeah. that there's this commentary on family throughout this because again all of the Avengers are about found family and and Kate finding a new dad and Hawkeye getting another daughter and um, and you know Echo finding an uncle and then her adopted dad Wilson Fisk but like her dad is back I mean Ronan you say what you want about Ronan as a serial killer which he totally was yeah but he was one of those serial killers who kills bad guys yeah he was and a Dexter so, yeah. Yeah, Ronan doesn't show up at your place if you're selling Girl Scout cookies. Right. At all. Yeah. I think um, that was a cool revelation, too, because they they played this really sweet scene between her and her dad in the beginning. And then when you realize, like, oh, well, if the Ronan killed him, he was a bad guy. And then you realize that it's like, oh, he, he was in this whole crime syndicate thing. Like, it's not a great she didn't come up in the most wholesome of households. Like, you know, she was surrounded by organized crime. This is crazy. So you get that she's kind of been sucked up in all this. And like, maybe and that's how they're going to turn it. Like, she's not so bad. She just like elect doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the car chase sequence. Oh, my God, dude. Bro. So incredible. <laughs> yeah, bro. Bro. Oh, and let's not forget. Trust the bro moving company. So good. I love it, man. They, they so such attention to detail. Like, well, well let's make it a trust bro. You know, I love it. So the whole sequence though is badass. Like, I love when that they, they play this throughout the whole episode where when Kate and Clint are talking and she says something, but he doesn't hear any of it and ends up repeating the exact same thing back to her. I love that. It, it's no better than like later when they're on the subway and you know he We should let the dog out. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And in the meantime, though, he like you can see that her heart just swells because he says, like, you know, you're not wrong about that. One of the greatest archers in the world thing, you know, and it's just like, oh, like her idol just told her that she's on his level. Like, yeah. that's crazy. Um, but yeah, the trick arrows was so good. Like, that's something that I thought would like. And it was silly. Let's be honest. It, it was equally. It was equally awesome and silly, right? That the arrows were so ridiculous, like the putty arrow and the acid arrow and that, you know, all these different arrows that are straight ripped from a comic book. Otherwise, you would never see it in something live action if it wasn't ripped from a comic book. Um, and they could have made it really stupid, but it was so entertaining to watch these different oh. arrows. Well, and I think it, again, leans into what he is. It leans into what Hawkeye is. And it's also the knock on, you know, the Green Arrow with the you know Green Arrow of the 70s where he'd like 
shoot his arrow with like a punching, like a boxing glove on it. And so Hawkeye was yeah. never that guy. But now they're like, oh, no, Hawkeye can be that guy too. So I think that you're commenting on his counterpart in the DC universe. You're commenting on he's just, tri- he has no powers. He's just full of tricks. So, and right. like you said, it gives her, plus one of the arrows is a pin arrow, right? It says pin on one of the yes. arrows. So you're, you're acknowledging yes. Hank is out there somewhere doing shit. And Hawkeye, you know, Jeremy's still in, you know, Clint is still in touch with him. Uh, so I think that yeah. was really smart to show the pin industries there or, you know, whoever it is, if it's, uh, you know, the wasp, whatever. So I think that's really smart. And um, but yeah, I think it was a really, actually, again, the fight choreography, it felt like one take, um, which of course it wasn't. I think, again, editors for the win. When you're doing a fight, I love Christopher Nolan movies. I'm not, I'm not here to shit on Christopher Nolan, but he cuts away from action all the time. And it's so infuriating. And that has been the one thing about the Marvel movies and the Marvel shows is they don't cut away from the action. They either have good stunt performers or they ask the actors to do some stunts themselves. So we get to see a stunt. We get to see it. If Christopher Nolan shot the elevator scene in Winter Soldier, we wouldn't see anything. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I love Christopher Nolan. I'm not here to bury Christopher Nolan, but I'm saying, give me a scene. Give it to me. If you're going to do this crazy outlandish thing, show it. And so, you know, half of the Dark Knight, you don't know what the fuck is happening. And you should see that. You should see Batman kicking ass. The reason people love the scene in Batman versus Superman when Ben Affleck comes in and he takes out all the guys in the, you know, when he saves Martha, it's because yeah. you see it. Yeah. It looks like a continuous shot. I love that. And like, that's what this whole like, bridge scene feels like one shot. And it, I don't even understand how the editors did it. It's so good. I, I love yeah. it. And because this whole series is taking place in four days, it feels that way. They look worse each episode. The makeup artists are making them feel bad. By the end of this episode, they look awful. I can't wait to what they're going to look like by episode six. They're just yeah. going to look terrible. And I think it's so smart. It's so good. Um, yeah. It feels lived in. It feels real. For an over-the-top absurd, here's a bunch of trick arrows right. show, it feels completely real. It feels like, yes, this is as street level as we can get. Yeah, it's super grounded. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's so silly, but somehow... They're like, okay, that's believable. Like, I know that I a plunger arrow held them onto a moving train. Like, oh, yeah, okay. But I'm like, but but when she goes, oh, that's what it's for. And you're like, oh, that does make sense. Like, what a joke. <laughs> what a setup. Yeah, yeah. And I love um that Pim arrow too. Like, when you saw that it said Pim, I knew exactly what it was about to do. I was like, oh, it's gonna it's gonna be a giant arrow. This is so awesome. I love that they threw that in there. Yeah, what a cool smart. Way to connect. Really yeah. smart. Yeah. Again, p- rewarding the fans, but also just making it look cool as fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, okay. So where are we at now? After that, they're on the train together. Like I said, that heart, like heartwarming moment when he kind of admits that she's a great archer. And it's clear that he isn't hearing a damn thing this entire time. He hasn't been hearing anything because they keep repeating the same thing back and forth. And um it gets no better than than when they're back at the apartment. And I'm not sure if I'm skipping over like anything, but I'm pretty sure that no, they're on the way back so. to the apartment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They decide that they should break into the, the place. And that's basically it. They're like, oh, we should go break into my my mom's security place and find out about all these people. Right. Um, that's so after really, he gets the hearing aid. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay, okay. Yeah, because so, that's how it ends. Because this, they go back to her place and he doesn't have the hearing aid in his yeah, son. Yeah. 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 Okay, so yeah, he goes back, he doesn't have the hearing aid, and this whole scene where she's relaying to him what his son is saying on the phone, like, 
dude, it's so good. Like, that's what I meant about like this, like the heart that they put into this episode. It's got everything. It's got like the crazy action sequences, awesome fight choreography, um, cool stuff that ties it to the MCU, like the Pym arrow and, and God, like Maya's backstory. And then this sequence where he can't hear his son and she's relaying every word to him and you can see it. Renner kills it. Renner kills so the emotion. Good, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you believe this guy's talking to his son. It's so good. Um, but yeah, that, that was like, when it got to that point of the episode, I said, that's it. That's it. This is, this is very likely the best going to be the best series because this yeah. is so damn good. It's got everything so far. Yeah. Cause what happens next is really just the cold open of the next episode. And they've done that. They've done that every episode. It's like, wait, we just, she falls through at the beginning or the end. You're like, oh no, no. And you forget. And so yeah. the, then the last five minutes of this episode, to me, that's the end of the episode is the moment she gets him his new hearing aid. But before that, you know, and that can just be the end when, when they're sitting there at breakfast and she's talking and he's deliberately not listening and he turns his hearing aid back yeah. on, which is a callback to episode one. So to me, that's the end of the episode. It's like it ends lovely. They're having breakfast. Everything is good. Then those five minutes at the end when they break into the place, it's it's a it's a cliffhanger. So that is to me the cold open for the next episode. So I think that is what I think makes this excellent yeah. storytelling is is you give us this emotional beat, but you also know we can't end on that. We can't end on Hawkeye being sad or whatever. So we're gonna make it crack a joke, and then we're gonna give you action, then we're gonna stop. So those last yeah. five minutes of the episode tell us nothing because we don't know it. It doesn't mean anything until the next episode. And so I think it's right. really well done. It's well paced. So this one was like 40 minutes. And the one before is like 51 because they're they're saying, well, we're going to tell our story. This happened to be a 39 minute episode or whatever. We're going to spend these last five minutes setting up the next episode. So I think that's really well written. And I think that's what you mean about it feeling so grounded because it's like it is like and it feels like a comic book. because It's episodic. What's going to happen yeah. next next month? Spider fans, don't forget to tune in, you yeah. know, or on the old Batman show. So it's the same thing. I love I love the setup that it's. We're going to break into my mom's house. We're going to do these things, but we're not going to find it out anything. And you're looking at it. You're watching the show. You're like, we're not getting a reveal in this episode. There's only five minutes. Left. And, and you're okay with that because you like, you know, you're not going to get any answers. They're not get, trying to give you any answers. They're just trying to get you as close to your screen as you could get for the ending. And what a last, what did you make of that last scene? The last, the, the very last, last second. Yeah. Yeah, when they get caught uh, breaking yes. in. And I, well, I, he stays in the shadows a bit. I'm guessing that's supposed to be Jack, right? That's Jack. You would with, assume. Yeah, um, but you can't quite see his face, and it seems like there's a reason that they did that, and I don't know why. I don't know why they would hide the fact that it's him if it's him. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, uh, wait a minute. Is it, yeah, like this This might be someone else. Why else would they hide his face? Um, but you saw the Ronin sword. So that leads you to believe it should be Jack, but who knows? Who knows? I love though, that like you were saying, they each episode is jumping right back into the action where you left off. Um, I feel like all of these series have done a pretty good job at that of like, um, that's how they keep the story small and contained is like, this is happening, but like right after one another and in a short period of time. But no more so than this Hawkeye series. You said it's only four days. So it's like even more so. This is such a small story in comparison to everything else we get. And like, you know, the MCU, it's so big. It's so like these cosmic stories. Um, You know, how, I mean, how many, how much time was used in telling the Infinity War and Endgame series? You know, like a five 
plus year span with the with the time jump. This is literally a couple days, and it feels like it. Yeah. It feels like the way they end it and then start it right back up exactly where they left off. I love that. It really feels like you're in there with them. It's like, and you know it's going to pick up in the exact same place next week. You're not going to be yeah. like, oh, one week later. You know, it's so edge of your seat, like the whole way through. Yeah. And I love and that's it. The hall, that's the callback. That's what I said. This is the callback to comic books. This is how comic books are. And it's also part of the comic book timeline. It's like, well, if you take six months to tell three days of storytelling in comic books, six months in real life have passed. So then do you, when that arc is over, do you skip six months in the comics or is it just the next day? Which is why the entire Marvel comic book universe right. has only been 14 years and why Bruce Wayne is still 35. Although that doesn't work because Dan- that still doesn't work for me because Damien has been Robin for 20 years and he's still 14. He's aged two years and 20. So uh-huh. Bruce has to have, I, I, I struggle with that because how quickly did was Jason Todd Robin before he died. So I have problems with that timeline, yeah. but at least in the Marvel timeline in it, the book I read, it's all about Franklin. Franklin is your marker. That's how you know how long things have happened because of Franklin. And so I think that's, that's cool. really, yeah, yeah. I, I never really thought about, because I'm not, I mean, I like Fantastic Four fine, but I never really thought about Franklin as the, as the time marker for the MCU, but they've, but yeah. he used him because he's, he's the, he's the first child. Right. Franklin Richards is the first child of the MCU. So it's an interesting way to look at time. Yeah, I I just heard that for the first time. um, I don't know, like maybe two weeks ago, like this idea that because, you know, I always knew that like, well, you know, a month passes. A month doesn't really pass in between. You can't. Yeah. Right. Especially if you're continuing with the same story. It's like and and the MCU has been this way too it's like you know it, it might be 3 years later but it's not 3 years later it's it's been a month since civil right. war you know what i mean um but i was listening to an x-men podcast x-men unraveled and her whole show is she is telling the story of x-men chronologically so she's like sliding scale of like time and she called it um what she call it uh marvel the marvel time wagon yeah, just, they call it he's that's a great name he just calls yeah. it the marvel the sliding scale is what he calls it but yeah yeah i like the marvel time wagon 14 years i i had never heard it put into exact numbers like 14 years though like that kind of blew my mind i was like oh this is somehow much cooler now <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, they have to keep that in mind they have to keep all those things and you should read the book when you read the book i don't want to it's so good it's fucking amazing I, all the marvels is called but um yeah anyway I think so. I love what they're doing here because they're acknowledging, you know, they took whatever three months to film this series, whatever mm-hmm. it took. But because obviously the way that this ends, it's going to be a different director for the next episode, you know. And, and so obviously they have to pick right back up and reset and look at the old things. And next week when they come back to start shooting or however it works. But I, I think again, it's that love letter to comics. This is how good com. This is how comics keep you reading, right? Yeah. And yeah. I also think because it's only six episodes, it's a little meta. In the new world of comics, not when I was a kid reading comics, but now every arc is six issues. Mm-hmm. The end of yeah. six issues, we bind it, we press it, we print it, we sent it out. That's how this Hawkeye series is done. The My Life is a Weapon series. So it's like six issues, here you go. Six issues, here you go. They're do- so to me, it's again meta commentary. We're only going to do six episodes because it's just like a comic arc. Now, back in the day, a comic arc could take two years to get to come to a conclusion, yeah. or it didn't. It was just a continuous story, and they were a bunch of villains of the week, and I actually kind of like that a little bit better in some ways. But So I do think this is a, this is, hey, comic readers, this is what you're used to. 
you get six issues over six months. We're, this, you only get six issues only in six weeks. And you get it. So it's, yeah. it's that same storytelling device that gives it something different for non-comic readers, but for comic readers, it scratches our itch. And I love that ending. I can't wait um, for next week. I think it's going to be, I can't decide if I'm just going to wait three weeks and just watch all three like I did for this one, or if I am going to wait, go week to week. I've not done that with any of the Marvel shows. I don't go week to week. I just can't stand it. I'd rather just uh, deprive myself and binge than, um, than go week yeah. to week. It's, you know, so I haven't decided yet, but it does make it feel much more like a comic book this way. Yeah, I think I think that the six episodes, it's funny because with this series, I especially feel confident in it now. And when I my first guest I had on for episode one was worried that, like, how are they going to tell the story in only six episodes? It seems too big. But knowing that it's only a few days, knowing that, you know, that helps me to be confident, like, oh, yeah, they can tell it's six hours to tell or, you know, you know, probably five hours really to tell a story of four days. They can definitely do that. 100%. And I feel like, yeah, yeah and I don't feel as intimidated by, by that now. Like, like where, where I was thinking like, man, how are they going to fit all this stuff and explain all this stuff? And, but now it's like, really, they don't have to explain everything. They don't have to give us Kingpin. They don't have to give us uh, much of anything. They just got to show what happens to these people over the course of four days. Yeah. And, and we're so halfway I, there. We're two days in. Yeah. I'm enjoying it very much. So Me cannot too. wait for next week. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I mean, I still, I think, I'll just say yes. I, I ramble and we've already, I've already kept you so long. I feel, no, well, I agree you're with you. Gonna wait. Completely. You're going to wait till, I think you're going to wait three weeks. I don't think you're going to go with, it's, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I have to. Actually, I won't yeah, say for, unfortunately. I love no, it. I love the, yeah. I love the anticipation, you know, week to week and discussing it all the way up until it happens. Like, I love it. No, and I, and that's the thing, you know, that when I listen in real time, then I can listen to your show in real time. And then it's not like, oh, that's, you know, eight hours yeah. of Brett's show to listen to. But that's also okay. I don't mind that. You know, it's like, I, I don't mind save like uh, my friend Mike Burton. I'll, sometimes I'll save his Star Wars shows. Um, like I always listen to Genuine Chit Chat when it first comes out. But sometimes I'll save two or three Star Wars shows because he's like, he's like walking you through it. And it's like such an adventure. Yeah. So sometimes it's like, I want to just go sp hang out in Star Wars land and I'll have two or three Mike shows, I'll download them the day they come out, and then I'll listen to three in a row, and I feel like I've gone on this epic adventure with him. So uh, it just yeah. depends on the mood that I'm in. But now that I've started this, it might be because this I didn't do this with the others. You know, I waited on all the rest. But now that you've yeah. you asked me to be on three, I did it. Yep, so I'll probably point. just watch along. I don't know how I can wait. Well, I hope so because now you can, I can I'll get you to join along. the conversation, yeah. Twitter and stuff, man. For sure. I, I, I want to go Yeah. You letting me do this, man. This is fun. Dude, thank you for being here. This has been an awesome conversation. And <laughs> I hope I, I, I love I'd really hope to get you back, hopefully, for the round table discussion that we do at the end. So you're definitely at least gonna have to watch them by then. So sure. That's like in a month from now. Like first yeah, week it'll of January. Be like, is that when you're gonna do it? Yeah. It'll be like, yeah, a week or two after the series ends. Yeah, because it ends Christmas week and you've got little ease. Yeah. So you're not doing anything. Uh, that's not happening. <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah in january first week of january i probably could swing something so we'll talk yeah that'd be cool awesome. and uh definitely when ms marvel's on i'm gonna be watching that and i mean i'm i've been as much as i love this series like i said i think i think if it weren't for this run the g willow mm -hmm. wilson kamala khan ms marvel was the best comic marvel was putting out in that time i mean it is when you re sit down and start watching the show and if you read it it is exceptional it is an exceptional storytelling it is everything that you want about a young protagonist it, it appeals to 
younger readers, older readers. One of my daughters, my daughter who was reading it, one of her friends would come over and read it and she'd like talk to her. She's like, yo, Kabbalah. It was amazing. It's such a great series. I, I, I'm so excited that they, when they announced Ms. Marvel, of all of the things that was announced last year, that was the one I was most excited for. Well, as soon as they announce the date that it's dropping everything, I'm putting you down. You Okay, I'll come on issue one. I'm on down. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, man. Thank you for doing this. Oh, for sure. This was so fun. I appreciate you. And uh, um, good, to, good to meet you in real life, not just on your Twitter face. It turns out your Twitter face and your actual face are the same face, everybody. He's not lying about who he is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take it easy, Tony. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks. All right, ladies and gents, that is going to do it for the conversation with Tony. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, and I hope Tony had a great time as well. Be sure and check him out everywhere. Uh, I, mean, I mean, this guy's all over the place. He's got several different podcasts, including the one I mentioned in the show, Indie Comics Spotlight. That, that one's my favorite, uh, but a ton of others as well. And he has a website devoted to his writing. I will link all of this in the show notes. And as I said, hopefully we get Tony back for the roundtable discussion at the end. That would be awesome. If you're new here, don't forget to favorite or follow or subscribe to Marvel Plus to get all future episodes as soon as they drop. And if you like the show and you want to help it grow, oh, that rhymed, make sure to tell your geeky friends. If you like the Disney Plus Marvel series, there's a good chance a boatload of your friends do as well. So make sure you let them know that there's a podcast devoted to just that. That's all we do here at Marvel Plus. Talk about the Disney Plus Marvel series. Another way you can help is head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a written review. And if you leave a written review, I'll read it right here on the podcast to show my appreciation. Lastly, if you really love what you heard today and you want more in the way of content, extra podcasts, early access, merch discounts, etc., then maybe you want to go check out patreon.com slash marvelplus and get some of those extras for what, in my opinion, is a steal. Now, I may, I may be a bit biased, but I'm really proud of my Patreon content. So yeah, if you're interested in that, go check out the Marvel Plus Patreon. If you have anything to add to today's conversation, you can reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at RealBrettScott. And if you're interested in being a guest on Marvel Plus, just like Tony today, you can email the show at marvelpluspodcast at gmail.com. Now, before I let you go, I did have an email here from the ever-faithful Mr. Steve Banvard, who, by the way, will be joining the show for the finale episode of Hawkeye. So that is something to look forward to. Steve, always coming through with a great commentary, whether it's you know here in person, on the show, or sending in emails. Here we go. Steve writes, For a series called Hawkeye, Jeremy, Rennelly, Jer- Jeremy Renner finally gets an episode to shine. Action, comedy, drama, stunt driving, this episode has it all. From the emotional highs, the car chase, to the emotional lows, the phone conversation with Kate as translator, it was a roller coaster. Serious question. Time and again, Hawkeye refuses to admit his involvement as Ronan, either by skirting the issue altogether or outright lying. By the end of this season... Will we see Clint confess his Ronin sins to first Kate, who idolizes him, 
as a hero, and second to Echo, who has sworn vengeance upon Ronan. And will these two absolve Clint of his sins so he can have a happy Christmas free of guilt? Now, not so serious question. Will we get to see damage control come in and clean up the giant arrow sticking up from the Triborough Bridge? P.S. Uncle Kingpin! <laughs> uh, Steve, thank you so much for that email. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't have a chance to work it into the conversation with Tony, but here are my thoughts. Um, I think it would be really cool to see a damage control thing. I, I, I think that would be a cool addition. I don't know if we'll actually see it, but as you said, not a serious question. But on to the serious question, um, I think, yes, I think by the end of the series, Hawkeye is forced to, I don't, I don't know if he's forced to by anyone, but at least by his own kind of guilt, is forced to admit these things. I think that Kate will know that he's Ronin. I think that he'll admit it to Echo. I don't know how it works out, though. I don't know. Obviously, Echo lives at the end of the series. Kate's going to carry on as well. So it's not like, you know, Echo's going to try to get her vengeance and he's going to have to take her down and that'll be the end. Like, something's going to happen. And if we're going to see Echo make the turn to, you know, maybe a protagonist in her own series, from antagonist in this series to a protagonist in her own series, then likely something has to happen where she takes a look at her life and realizes, you know, she's part of a crime syndicate. Like, I'm guessing she kind of isn't fully aware of how wrong it is, like, the stuff that she's wrapped up in. She's another one of those gray characters that's not necessarily good or bad. It's just, like, this is what she's been raised in. And I'm guessing at some point she's going to have to realize that and, and maybe turn against her own family, turn against her own little crime syndicate that she's surrounded by. And her uh, uncle, possibly Kingpin, right? Oh my God, I cannot wait. I, uh, You heard it in this episode. I believe that sounded like Vincent D'Onofrio. God, I hope they keep that guy as Kingpin. So great. And as Tony was saying in the episode, not super big and imposing, but man, is he intimidating. Like just the look on his face. You never know. He's a complete psycho. You never know what that dude's going to do, what he's capable of. Anyway, uh, Steve, thank you so much for the email. Um, like I said, sorry, I sorry I couldn't work it into the conversation, but I hope that my reaction will suffice. All right, everyone, I will talk to you again in one week's time for episode four of Hawkeye. As always, thank you for listening. My name is Brett Scott, and this has been Marvel Plus. 